Welcome to the podcast with no name, a podcast dedicated to dumb criminal true crime, where we focus on people who were really bad at committing small and petty crimes. Yeah, okay, not really. Uh, obviously, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that. But I do call dibs if I decide to start a second podcast. No, the podcast with no name is primarily to talk about the media my guests and I love. Uh, Movies, comic books, television and books. And this month, the focus is actually on music. Last week began my discussion with Rick Alba. Rick is a musician who began his musical career in the early 80s in the dawn of the Christian alternative and rock music scene as a member of the Southern California band Undercover. He left Undercover and then soon after was a founding member of the Altar Boys. Rick spent the rest of the 80s with the Altar Boys, leaving the band uh, in the early 90s due to uh, really trying to come to terms with just what he was uh, expecting with life and his sexuality. As we discussed in part one, Rick's life had reached a point where he had kind of burned out on the industry and after releasing a solo album that Rick really felt he couldn't do the touring to support uh, and even because of some of the aforementioned uh, issues uh, and decisions about his where how, how he was going to go forward. But now Rick is back in the music scene, uh, having released a solo album in recent years and also supporting some old friends on their releases, as well as being a member of the band Moral DK with several members funnily enough, of Undercover. So now let us continue with part two of my discussion with Rick Alba. Whoa, wait. Yeah, the, yeah, the best, the Bible got, the Bible shows a history. The Bible kind of is an expose on the history of human moral thinking yes. a little bit. Now, from, from a narrow from a narrow perspective of, uh, of just a certain area of the world. But, um, but uh, anyway, uh, the, the, you know, it's not, it, it only got as far as if you're gonna beat your slaves, at least don't kill them. Yes. If you're gonna, if, if you're gonna, if, if you're gonna kidnap people from another country and own them and beat them, you better not kill them. That would be wrong, <laughs> you know. It's you like kill everybody, but you can be keep and daughters for yourselves, you know. And it's yeah. like, I'm like, okay, there's there's stuff in here that I just, and it was all because the church I was going to gave us all a Bible that was one of those one year Bibles, so you would read oh. uh, from the Old Testament, a Psalm, and the New Testament every day. Yeah, and I read through it like three years in a row, and I credit that with being the thing that killed my ability to look in the Bible and see a good God. You know, that was the thing. Reading the Bible all the way through left me very, very, with a very bleak look at Christianity. And I, it's hard, I I try and remind myself because I know plenty of decent hearted Christians, you know, I do. Mm -hmm. And I interact with people all the time who are, who, who are very much, they have they share we share values um 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah, here's the thing, you know, um, most of the Christians that I know um, don't do any of the rotten things that people talk about the rotten things that Christians do and they, and they vocally oppose it. And here's the thing, especially in, in, in the gay, in the gay thing, because uh, like, for example, when I saw on the, on the Facebook and suddenly I was in the company of Christians again, um, the, uh, in, in that way, uh, the, um, the big political issue, at least in California at the time, was gay marriage, and there was a uh, campaign, uh, there was going to be a vote to ban it, uh, Proposition 8, and, uh, and the, the funny, a local pastor, as a matter of fact, kind of around the corner from me, uh, uh, Rick Warren, he was uh, he led a campaign to to, uh, uh, to 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 vote yes on banning gay marriage, and his argument was why should four uh, percent? It's like okay, four fine, maybe four, somewhere between four and eight percent of the population. Meaning, why should gay people? Why should four percent of the population get to define marriage for the rest of us? But at the time, it wasn't just four percent of the population wanting to pass gay marriage. It was about 48, 49 percent that uh, it, it passed, but it passed by a very, very narrow margin. And it was a margin that I knew was going to change. I knew that gay marriage was inevitable because because so many people were okay with it and uh, the uh, were becoming more okay with it and only would as more and more of their loved ones and respected leaders came out. And uh, as that was happening, um, here, here, here's a thought. I kind of, now it's just math that I did in my head, but, uh, but at the time, the, the, the great majority of Americans identify as Christian, right? Okay, uh, only a tiny percentage of Americans are gay, yet 48% of, uh, of Americans are, are pro-marriage equality, are, you, you know, uh, uh, supported, um, for example, decriminalizing gay sex. And then, uh, and then shortly after uh, um, legalizing gay marriage, that what that means is that there are more Christians, there are more people identifying as, as Christians in favor of equality for LGBTs than there are LGBTs. For every LGBT person uh, uh, fighting for his rights, there's like two or three or 10 Christians alongside him helping him fight for his rights. So it is, so whenever anybody comes up as like the gays against the Christians or, or, or anything like that, it's just, it's not like that at all. It's, it's more like the good Christians uh, against the bad Christians. And it, it, in a number of cases, good Christians are winning. Yes. So Indeed. good, good for them. Yeah. Stay and, Christian, doesn't exactly. bother me. Yeah, well, you know, whenever I- Working. <laughs> Whenever, you know, people like Rick Warren going on about, you know, defining, nobody's defining, changing the definition of marriage for you guys. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> for everyone yeah. expanding that definition for other people. You still can see it as one man, one woman. Even though even the Bible didn't see marriage as one man, one woman. It was sometimes one man uh, and all his concubines, you know. But the, right. the point 
but but when they, when they make it all about how oh we're trying to no i'm not trying to force the values on you i'm just saying you shouldn't get to define the values for the rest of the country yes uh, well, I, I, you should not be getting you know yeah i'm never going to get have have a gay marriage because i'm not gay so <laughs> yeah. never, but and a gay marriage isn't hurting anyone exactly you know what i mean but it doesn't make me feel like I just don't see how it it does anything to me for to allow a gay couple to get married. I want that. I, I I think that you. I think there's a a fair and valid argument in general for why marriage can be a very good thing. You know what the the mar building married units, it, having a marriage unit or whatever you want to however you want to refer to it is a good thing, but it shouldn't just be a good thing that we only allow certain groups to have access to. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes, it doesn't hurt. The uh, two, two, two profound points that, that, that occurred to me back then. Uh, one of them, I had a, uh, I, I, a good friend uh, that, I, that, that I work with from time to time. Uh, she, um, we were, we were swimming in my pool and she's, we were talking about gay marriage and she says, well, why do you have to call it marriage? Why isn't uh, like a civil union enough? Why do you have to call it marriage? That's the problem. And, uh, and, and I asked her, why do you need, why do you need us to call it something less? You know, why do you, why is it so important to you that I don't call my relationship a marriage and uh I'll, I'll be danged if if a week later when the vote came up she says i she says i voted and i voted no because you were right i've got no legitimate reason for wanting you not to call your marriage a marriage and uh and i thought wow wow how about that yeah actually Talking with somebody about you can actually change somebody's mind by talking to them. Who knew? Because people say, "Why argue? Why argue? You're never going to change anybody's mind." It's like, well, sometimes you do. And yeah. on social media, the things the things that you say on social media when 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 you're debating somebody isn't to change that person's mind. It's because of all the people reading. Yeah, you know, all of the all of the. Um, you know, all of the brothers and sisters still who are still trapped in that place that I was when I was who I was need need to hear need to hear that need to need to hear people saying these things and uh, for, 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 you know, for their own um, comfort and encouragement. And also because uh, the people who, uh, you know, the people who are like you know, detractors or whatever, or haters or whatever you, you, you want to call them. I don't, I, I don't like, I don't like to call people that, but uh, the, uh, they don't, they're, they're, they're not, they're not responding on Facebook, but they're, you know, or, or anywhere they're reading it, but they're, they're seeing it and they're not, their minds aren't being changed there on the spot, but at some point somewhere, there's, you know, in a, in a long dark night when life has has brought some kind of new 
uh, element, like maybe a loved one came out or something. And in order for them to be okay with that change, they have to rethink some of their positions on things. That's when they start remembering things that they've heard. That's how that's how it worked for me. As I was as I was was like, God, I'm gay. I'm gay. That's just all there is to it. Uh, how do I deal with this? Uh, I, I started remembering things that I heard here and there that kind of gave me food for thought and, uh, and, and uh, set me off on a, a kind of on a truth seeking mission that, uh, that I needed to, uh, that I needed to, to learn some, some things uh, about life that I hadn't learned before. Well, and I always think back to, to the, to me, the, the biggest question is, is, why is your marriage validated or invalidated by someone else's having being in a marriage? And that goes in every direction. Yeah. You know, nobody's marriage is more or less valid because somebody else is able to get married. Right. Yes, and I know. Right. How is I, I, yeah, I, it, it's, it, it's if, if, uh, if, if something as as self-identifying as your relationship with your spouse hinges on society having a, a, a certain opinion on things, then you're on shake you're you're on shaky yeah. ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. The uh, um, yeah. Yeah, I. There's a point. And it just you know. It is like I had mentioned earlier how uh, about the uh, the article um, th from the Harvest Rock Syndicate where it was everything was so carefully done, you know, stated. And even I don't know how how much you told uh, the interviewer because it was it was. Uh, I don't re I don't remember the content. Of, I don't remember the yeah. content. Of the, I just, the only reason. Send you a snapshot. The only, it's, the only, it's the only interview that I did about the album after it when it came out. Yeah. Okay. So it has to be that. It's but, gotta, but, yeah, but it's I, gotta I, I don't have a copy of it to this day. Yeah. But I it was it was funny to read it now with the with the perspective of the history that I now Yeah. <laughs> Knowing go, the backstory. Oh, because you know, it talks about that you had, you know, it, it was so vague about some things because you talked about checking yourself into a hospital for 30 days yes yeah um, that was the, yeah that was uh that was um yeah I couldn't tell the truth about that what how that happened was I went back to Vineyard asking for counseling again about gayness because to, to tell them you know the whole choose a heterosexual lifestyle and walk through your thing one work in you know went, was going back to to, to, to tell them that is in, instead of instead of taking me in for counseling at church they just were they were they gave me a phone number and that phone number i just assumed was a would be a counseling center about gayness well i went there and uh it was a an inpatient program about gayness and other things but uh, but they had a program about uh, same sex attraction. They had they had like a tract about same same sex attraction, inpatient. Uh, uh, I I went for it. it. It actually was attractive to me at the moment because I because I was just having so much anxiety about it, and that was messing with my life, you know. But uh, but um, it uh, but but there it was, you know. I was briefly 
you know, at a uh, at an inpatient rehab, uh, you know, for 30 days. And then after that, I went into a uh, like a sober living kind of situation uh, with uh, with uh, um, with 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 addicts and uh, and people who weren't addicts at all, but uh, considered themselves co-addicts. And uh, people with same-sex attraction, people with what they called sex addiction. Um, I actually, I actually look back fondly on that because because it it it, it broke down all of a, a lot of prejudices that I had about um, about uh, well about addicts and alcoholics and stuff. You know, you you kind of. You, 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 if you've never, uh, well, let's just say up to, up to that point, maybe my, my and not, it's not something that I thought about much, but I think that my attitudes were, you know, well, you know, like, the, the, you know, they got themselves into that situation. It's their problem, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I, I just learned a lot about, about how people become, uh, uh, addicts, how people, uh, you know, uh, stumble and fall into problems uh, that uh, it created for me a sense of a sense of empathy and uh, humility that I had not had before, because where maybe before I was able to walk around thinking I, you know, I, I you know, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm not an addict, I. I, I, I knew how to say no to those things and other people didn't, it's their problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, I, I, th th that kind of attitude just completely er erased, uh, it erased that attitude from me. I, 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 it was just very, very humbling. I was learning from, from, from uh, I, I had a lot, I realized I had a lot to learn from a lot of different kinds of, of people in the world. And I, uh, I, I learned to embrace that. I kind of I hung, hung, hung with that community uh, for a long time. Didn't walk away from that community. I just kind of, as I met, made new friends and met new people, I, 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 I found myself really not a part of that community anymore but uh there was and i certainly wasn't going to be a part of a uh of any ex-gay um right. i was for a while for a while i was in a in a uh, a therapy group uh at a uh, at a counselor's office that i went to every week and uh and that i i i had to say guys i'm you know i you know i am gay i'm gonna be gay i know that that, that i can't do that and really be in this group. I love you all. Bye, con Dios. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, that is one of the, that. That's one of those situations where the, the the whole you know the whole concept of the ex-gay. How many of those people end up? I, I mean, was it Exodus International that two of the uh, founders ended up falling in love with each other? Just about every. Just about every group there has been, the founders and uh, the, the the founders and a, a lot of the main main people, uh, you, you know, all all up and down the chain of command, uh, are today uh, happily in happy gay relationships. And it just it's one of those things where when I see people trying to argue, because you still see people trying to argue, uh, you know. As, as more and more states have said no to gay conversion or the, the conversion therapy to try. Yeah, conversion therapy, therapy, right, yeah. 
as a yeah as like a yeah as a um behavioral medicine intervention yeah yeah, yeah all it's no it longer seems to do is damage people i'm i you know yeah you you'll find those people that got a good few years where they had themselves convinced mm -hmm. and then and then it seems like it eventually still falls apart their marriage doesn't hold out or it seems like the people who manage it successfully are rare and far between and it's like yeah yeah the, yeah there's, there's very few i don't really know the who's who's and and where everybody is on that but i have a lot of friends uh i have a lot of facebook friends uh, uh from that movement uh who were leaders in that movement who, who are now in in happy gay relationships um not a lot there's not not a lot of talking goes on about who who didn't come out of it who is still in it uh because uh everybody kind of feels they got better they got better things to do than talk about all that stuff we now we talk about what we're making for lunch yeah, yeah. Moving, what, we're, it, you know, what we're doing for halloween going forward in life the uh yeah it one one of the what one of the things that you uh along with your second solo album which was uh let's see about how many how, how many decades between from holes in the floor yeah i know huh it was like, uh holes uh holes uh came out in either 92 or 93 yeah and uh i started uh i recorded the first i started recording writing and recording for uh butterflies in 2010 and, and then i and then i finally finished in 2017 yeah. seven years later took me seven years to make that album but, you know, but, somehow, but the, i had missed i was gonna say somehow i had missed the completed album until uh earlier this year is when i realized oh wait there's an album on your Bandcamp page there's a full album there so you know i'm like okay i'm buying it <laughs> it's because i'm notoriously one of those artists who is who is good at at the art and just really bad and maybe lazy at selling my art <laughs> you know it's, they're few and far between you know and the really really successful ones are the ones who are also good at selling madonna gaga you know or or or, or just happen to you know know people in the industry who help them like who help them and make sure they become stars like beyonce rihanna you know <laughs> yeah I, I i yeah i am neither of those plus also <laughs> shortly after plus also shortly after i fi i finished my album and put it at put it out me and uh, jim nicholson and gary olson uh and rob rob gallus and jeff sheets all, all all people from the undercover camp uh yeah. put together a new band we have a new band i i, I just we just had uh, i just came home from a meeting uh getting ready to uh a band meeting getting ready to uh finish up our our, our second album excellent and and uh yeah moral dk uh, uh -huh. which i i thought it, it was it, it was kind of funny to me in in the sense of to see how kind of full circle and and ojo's had that too because he's done work with bill walden the first uh, -huh. yeah. uh was for undercover so you guys have all kind of come into this round you know come around to yeah <laughs> to make new music together and it was and and i thought that the first album was really good I, I so i'm looking forward to the second one yeah me too the 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 the, the first one uh 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 
Ojo had a lot to do with the first. He, he, he played the keyboards on it, in fact, and, uh, and, and did most of the uh, producing uh, during tracking. And, um, and uh, but he's, uh, you know, he is a uh, professor at James Madison uh, out, uh, out in Virginia. So uh, yeah, so he, he, he's no longer a California boy. <laughs> um, and uh, luckily, Jeff, uh, Jeff Sheets, who was uh, in Boys Club with, uh, with Jim and Gary uh, back in the day uh, for quite some time, uh, he's, he, he's, he's the, our, our keyboard guy. And Mike Pritzel from The Violet Burning is producing. Oh, the, wow. the new okay. I didn't. I hadn't heard that he was producing the album. That's, and that's yep. another one of those bands that I still connect to. You know that you yeah. know, uh, it, it's. I used to. I used to blog, uh, free, more, much more frequently, and I for a long time had a uh, thing that I would do, uh, called Christian music that doesn't suck, where I'd go through a band. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and uh. It, and then, it, so it was all, it was this whole idea of, I, I may not call myself a Christian now, but these are bands that I would still say are worth checking out if you appreciate yeah. good music. And that's, that's how I kind of feel like talking about, you know, even now doing, it, doing some episodes where I might get a chance to talk with folks who were in these bands that were this big part of my life when I was growing up. Because I kind of like the idea of being able to share that with people who might not be as familiar, you know. Yeah. The choir, I think, was one of the first bands uh, uh, from my era, and many, many, many followed. Uh, was one of the first bands to start out as an artist's band. Where it's where it's not we're not uh, uh, trying to get people saved. We're we're Christians. We're in a band. We're going to write from our Christian perspective, uh, and uh, that is, you know, that they were there as the altar boys was starting to move away from from uh, you know rah rah God. You got to get saved. Blah 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 into here's who we are as people you know your people too you know we're writing about life because you know you're just being a person in the world just like just like you know you the listener is a person in the world um you know as we were moving more toward that the choir was 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 coming into being and and, and they got to be that way from the beginning violet burning i think is one of those um uh, uh sadly i'm not uh, once i once i left the altar boys i i did not get any news from christian rock at all i didn't know who was making what kinds of albums or or, or anything but uh but as i was leaving that industry i was seeing the violet burning coming into being and start just starting to come into prominence so so as i waved away from across from across the sea that's who was who i was seeing on the shore <laughs> well i i think that's one of the things that stood out to me with moral dk as uh the with the first album is it felt like it, you know it had that feeling of just you guys had songs you wanted to write together you know, or it, it wasn't that there wasn't a it wasn't a, a ministry. It was a it was a, it was a, a, a group of artists and friends who wanted to, who 
were inspired to create together. And yeah. I, yeah, I would say, yeah, as soon as I came to Facebook and uh, one of the first music projects that I, that, that I worked on right, right off was uh, the last uh, Dead Artist Syndrome album. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the, the idea was, wouldn't it be great to have, for us to be in bands together again, but not on any mission from God, yeah. you know, no, no pressure, nothing like, oh, we've got to, to maintain a Christian image. So we're kind of looking at each other, you know, and, and holding each other accountable to the message, blah, 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 all that stuff. Just, just to be in a band and just do what we want to do because we're a band. And, uh, and uh, so, so, so that was what DAS represented for, uh, for me. And then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, right after, uh, right after my, as my album was being finished up, we were recording uh, what was, uh, what, what became the first Moral Decay album. Originally it was, it was just that Jim had written a bunch of songs and we were recording them for an album. We, uh, we didn't really know, you know, what we would do with it or where we would go with it. And it became Moral decay and you guys have been doing uh, 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 with with limitations obviously from covid but you guys have done it looks like you've done some live been able to do some live shows at clubs and stuff some out, uh, some outdoor well yeah well before leading up but before covid and then after uh and then we held off until uh well until we were all vaccinated and we saw like a certain percentage of people were getting vaccinated then we did an out uh, an outdoor gig there was there was one bar gig that we did that we were kind of sketchy about thankfully there wasn't a lot of people out they, they, there was only like like five people they really really dug it you know what i mean uh yep. but uh but uh we're yeah we're we're sketchy about just going into a bar, a, a crowded, bringing a bunch of people into right. a crowded bar, um, you, you know, part of that, part of my thoughts are like being on the right side of history. I don't want it to, I don't want it to be like there to be this, all this stuff just like, God, you know, here was all these people were dying of COVID. Here's moral decay, leaving the, <laughs> leaving the anti-mask charge in a bar, you know, and it's like, uh, uh, we're, uh, so, so we don't have anything booked um book now uh you know since cases have gone back up again so we're just we're just not you know we did a we we did a thing uh that aired last night uh, a few weeks ago we 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 taped it at at our uh at our rehearsal space uh for um for it to be aired um last night the original plan was that there was going to be uh, it was with uh, with Wolf Entertainment, and uh, the original idea was was 24 bands, 24 time zones, each playing, doing a live feed one after another. Um, COVID didn't go far away enough for that to happen, so the bands is like figure out a way to. The order was figure out a way to get you know a set of your band. Uh, playing that can be, that we can just show and so and and so we did we kind of painstakingly recorded this thing in our in our rehearsal studio um uh you know for, for, for that purpose but uh but yeah no we're not we're not in any big hurry like, like 
you know, like, like some weeks ago, we, we, we played at the Universal Bar and Grill in Los Angeles, driving up there, hoping, just hoping to God there wasn't a big, uh, uh, there wasn't a big crowd. Because, <laughs> because it's like LA was just starting to get really, really bad at the time. We we're thinking, we don't want to, we don't want to help that. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, apparently a, a, a lot of ordinary bar patrons kind of had the same idea and thought, yeah, no, no, let's not go. Let's not go and be in a crowded bar. There was only just a tiny handful of people, but they were wonderful. One of the, one of the best crowds we've ever had, just, you know, small. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is the one thing I miss, I, I, I think I miss, about not getting to do anymore and they've kind of gone to the wayside anyways but was stuff like cornerstone were, were they were fun events to be to be there both as a you know as a fan you got to walk around meet meet the bands you yeah. love got to hear live music you know every now and then there'd be some sort of controversy that year or you i was there the year they had uh mc hammer and that was oh. <laughs> that, that was uh, interesting, to say the least, because his bus arrived like minutes before the show, I guess. Yeah. And it's not his I bus didn't... driving to drive through the crowd, and it's like, okay. And that, you know, <laughs> I, I always, that, that weird line that used to happen in Christian music where the festivals would bring in somebody where you're like, okay, yeah, I get, he's got the song about pray. Yeah. Thanks God, you know. <laughs> it's because the events are so big and, 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 you know, three or four day event, there's just no way for any, for any person or organization to have enough control to prevent, to like to make sure everything that's gonna happen is the, like, you know, in line with the, the you know, with the mission <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, that's just, that that's just a fact of life. Uh, I don't, uh, I was a cornerstone from the first one in 84 up through like maybe 90. I don't think there was a year they had it that we didn't play it, that the elder boys didn't play it. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, yeah, I, I loved, I, I loved the whole thing. And I, you know, we, we only played one day, but I, I, I'd be there for, for the three days. I'd yeah. be, you know, I'd be on property for the three days to just, just, just soaking it up mostly just sort of hanging with people and just just talking you know yeah i i, I really just enjoyed getting it it was an opportunity for me to you know chat with you know chat with people sometimes asking about you know am i understanding this song correctly you know having interesting conversations about what they're doing you know or what they're writing or and also just meet a lot of new people they're and it, it, of course, after a while, I lived in, uh, I, or I still live in Minnesota, and we had uh, the New Union, uh, which I know you guys played once as the Altar Boys. I think during Forever Mercy. Um, that, yeah, that, yeah, in uh, is it yeah, a little club in Minneapolis, the New Union. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely remembering remember that yeah, yeah we, we we only played in minneapolis once and oh, i yeah. and i remember i remember the venue uh new union oh, that, that, that definitely club, rings a bell standing room only pretty much and, mm -hmm. and you know stage and uh, that was my probably my most embarrassed talking to the band afterwards moment happened to that one because i didn't recognize jeff crandall because <laughs> um, i 
I, I didn't recognize him because he had that, you know, he had, he had moved from the, the more punk look to kind of more of that metal, just long curly hair. And for some yeah, reason, yeah, we did. We actually did kind of go into like a big hair, kind of yeah. had, had a brief big hair period. I was losing my hair at the time. So that was also my crazy hat period. <laughs> now my hair's gone more gray, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to show some age that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I somewhere in my 30s, I started having like gray hair in the, the beard. And I'm like, eh, I'll just let it do its thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the most liberating thing I ever did was when I was, was when I just buzzed my head and and, and that was that. Yeah. I never looked back. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In yeah, and that and now it's like the best look. It, it, it's like a standard look, you know. It, it just buzz your head, you know. For wow. band guys, you know, if you're bald, buzz your head and 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 dye the whole thing dark. Everybody dies, you know. I I, I I'm not in the dyed version right now. <laughs> but the uh, like the uh, required look for if you're if you've got gray hair is bad dye job. My fa <laughs> all, all of my family tell me, but it's so obviously dyed. I'm like, yes, of course, you know. <laughs> well, just like when we were punk rockers, if we were blonde, it was obviously bleached, you yeah. know. Well, now it's obviously dyed. Obviously, <laughs> it's obvious that I colored my hair, and that's what rockers do. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the deal. Yeah, uh, you know, bad dye job is the, is the standard look. If if you're if you're if you're in a band or if you're some kind of artist of any sort, that's kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just do it. It, 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 I don't. I I, I don't. Uh, uh, it's not something I do for myself. I do, uh, I do because it, it you know, it's, it's, it's the right look, you know, the band. It's, it's, it's the look I want to have when I'm playing my bass with the band. So I guess I am doing it for myself. But, uh, but, I'm the, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, sometimes I go on, on without a hat. Sometimes I go on with a hat. I make a point to, uh, to to sometimes have one and not have one, so that I'm not sending the message that I don't want anybody to know I'm bald. You know, oh, I, don't, no. I don't want to send that message. <laughs> and, and I'm here now, completely completely white, because I don't want to send the message, you know, that I don't want anybody to know my hair is really gray. You know, yeah. no. I just, you know, every it, it's fine if everybody knows. Oh, there's Ricky's didn't die today. Oh, Ricky did did dye his hair today that that's that's the truth of my life <laughs> so it, it's so it, it's so funny to me how when I was so much you know when I was in my 20s and 30s like people when people were hitting 60 I'm like it seems so far away once my parents hit 70 all of a sudden it's like none of, none of that feels old to me you know? right before, and now you know now that I'm a few months from 50 I'm like I don't feel like I'm old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I'm I am 61, and and yeah, I'm, I I don't I, I don't think 61 is old because I'm 61 and I'm not old. Yeah. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And maybe there <laughs> are some like, like I'm not at all. I don't I, you know I don't I, I don't look at my inner self and see an old person, and I don't no. look in the mirror and see an old person. Yeah, I I it's it's just it's one of those things where I look back at how I perceive when I was so much younger and I'm like 
well, I don't feel like I look significantly older than I did from my 30s and 40s. Right. I'm, you know, hitting the end of the 40s here. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not I can say, I can say this. I today I look in the mirror and like what I see more than when I was 20 something and looked in the mirror and it, 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 I like what I see as a 60 as a 60 year old man looking in the mirror and seeing a 60 year old man I like that better than when I was 25 looking in the mirror and seeing myself at 25. I, I, and you, I you, get, you get to like yourself. You get comfortable yeah. in your skin. You kind of grow in, you know what I mean? Well, you know, there actually, isn't that angst, you know. That, that uh, article that, I, that I've mentioned a couple times from the Harvest Rock Syndicate, you made a comment about how you were at this point where you didn't feel comfortable in Rick Alba's body, you know, like in your skin. Um, like, the person like you were not and, and it's like this stuff makes so much more sense with the with hindsight than it did when i probably read it in 1992 or whatever you know <laughs> i gotta like, get a hold of that interview i'm thinking yeah, for brian to... what i must have put him through oh and actually to don't think it was brian it was somebody else but uh oh, okay but yeah well, it, i wonder was it jones maybe no it i just can't remember who it was it was it was it was a woman, um, Catherine, I think, was her first name. Okay, so maybe so 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 maybe maybe yeah. So I must have done interviews that I had forgotten that I had done. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it, well, and it's you know that's one of those times where it's like you look back and it was kind of that that doorway before you kind of just walked away from it all. So yeah, you know, and and that is I I think. I feel like the it, one uh, the one criticism as I've got as over the years that I've started to have about the Christian music industry is I felt like it didn't prepare it forced artists to have to uh, to basically present a, a a face that wasn't really them you know where your your struggles have to be prevent, presented in a certain way and some struggles you aren't going to talk about those. It's one thing to, you know, for the artist to get up and talk about, you know, he struggles with lust because he, when he sees a woman, but we didn't want it. We didn't want anyone coming out and saying, Hey, their, their struggle is actually that they're having lustful thoughts about other men. Right. That, that, that would, and, and I feel like artists were always kind of being put in this place where there had to be this presentation of who they are because yes, we can, we can talk about how we're all sinners. We're all, we yes. all sort of the glory of God, but you don't want to fall too short in the public eye. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad not to be on a, on a, on a mission from God, <laughs> you, you know, in that, you know, when, uh, because we started, where all of the uh, uh, all of the sort of um, su our support base was a, a church, yeah. I mean, you know, a church office, uh, a pastor. Um, 
but all but but all I knew really was I loved Jesus and I wanted to be in a band, you know. Uh, but yet here, you know, we 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 we've just put out our first album, um, a bigger picture, more long term uh, um, things are being discussed, and uh, there was. At the office, at the church, they wanted to, they wanted to hear that we had, they wanted to hear, it's like, do you really, are you sure that you're called, you know, I I just need to know that, that, that you, uh, that you all, you know, experienced a calling from God to play in this band, and I, I don't know if I was was a little bit uh, sort of behind mentally or whatever, like younger, like my mental age was younger than my real age. But uh, I took that very literally and very seriously. And I thought, no, there was no there was no point where God appeared to me or a voice in my head or even a calling on my heart to be in this band. I'm in this band because I love this band. And uh, but so, so I felt I, I kind of it felt in a way that I didn't belong, that that that. Getting to be in a band is, to me, you know, making a record and playing concerts and stuff was such a, was such a cool, neato thing to get to do yeah. that, uh, that uh, I felt kind of guilty doing that as a Christian when you're supposed to die to self and, and uh, do the harder thing, you know, if there's a thing you want to do and the thing you don't want to do, God wants you to do the thing that you don't want to do. That was kind of a, a little bit of a teaching going around. And, um, and also uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, where, where all of a sudden you're supposed to be a counselor. Um, that was not, that was not me. I, uh, um, it, 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 being a counselor is absolutely not in my talent. Um, uh, you know, practically to the point of diagnosable, diagnosably, the concept of that just brings just floods and floods of, of chemically induced anxiety. Just whatever gland in your brain makes you anxious and like you just got to run from it that just always just would fire fire off at the at the end of shows when it you know early on when it came time to do that now with with altar boys i really got i i I really got the hang of it because i learned from the people that were coming to me that what they were what what they were coming to me for wasn't for any kind of professional counseling wasn't for 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 me to talk them into uh, becoming a Christian or anything but just somebody to talk to yeah. uh, the uh, so, so, so later on I got good at early of it 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 uh, it just terrified me so uh, so that's what that, that's one of the reasons I bailed on undercover after after the first album uh, you know just just for that that was one of that was one of the things about being in a successful band that was starting to get more famous that I panicked about and just like Sid Barrett style I just like okay no no you guys do what you do no it's, that's for you it's not for me good luck <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it, it's, it was one of those things where when I would look back on it, you know, it's like the, the expectation of, 
of the of every member of the band was pretty much that they weren't you you weren't just a bassist you were as you say a counselor and really in a way everybody kind of was expected to be a brand of pastor and a brand you know yes. you know and and preachers and it's like i i think that's what i liked about uh, like with the choir, I love the fact that I got to go just hear really really neat music. Maybe there was a story in there, and their songs were very were very easy to connect to. And, and I think a lot yeah. of their songs are still easy to connect to, without having the uh, without necessarily being a Christian. Still, just the certain senses of longing. And like mm -hmm. you said, they were one of the they're they're one of the few bands that I can think of that really did get that opportunity to not have to start out really with a yo being a christian is awesome you know phase yeah jesus uh, is groovy like a beach party movie yeah exactly <laughs> there was the, 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 there was there was talk going around that i had written a song and and i actually had i had that i had written a song called jesus is groovy like a beach party movie no i did not write that as a lyric <laughs> however the words groovy and the word beach party movie did occur in the song and it, <laughs> it, it's it, it, i wrote it like after the first album but uh but uh that that is kind of like the slogan that that it sort of became the iconic slogan of how how silly things were at the time were getting at the time in christian music you know before you know before people started just sort of getting more serious about their music <laughs> yeah well cuz that for me that's ultimately was often the dividing line uh was are the artists who seemed to be interested in writing good songs versus the artists who saw writing the songs as a tool a tool for evangelism just back, just like back in the days we used to get asked so what bands so if i if uh if if my son son or daughter was into a certain was a, uh, was into a certain band and i was to suggest that them to listen to you instead what band would that be would i say comparable with i mean they actually wanted us to like name bands and uh in retrospect i could say okay yeah the altar boys we yeah you know we we were into the ramones we were into the clash we were uh um uh not really very much into u2 i liked u2 but uh, i didn't I, I didn't feel myself drawn to play their kind of music uh but uh but anyway the, i mean there was there was that there was christian press like listing like oh if you like this band you know if you like the clash get the altar boys if you like the this you know get that if you like you know metallica get jerusalem you know it's like as though that's what we were there for was to was to steal their audience for god <laughs> I, I, i'm glad to see that that's kind of gone you know christian Christian pop music, the Christian music market now is all pretty much pray, like rock versions of praise and worship. And while it, while in one sense it's a sad thing because that's that, that that's Christian musicians now don't have a Christian um, like a like a culture within Christianity to ply their trade like we did during the 80s. But at the but at the same time, those bands. It, th th those musicians, they're forming bands and just being bands. bands you yes. know what I mean? 
So, 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 so good for them. And maybe it's, maybe it's fine if the Christian market, the, the, if the Christian indus, music industry now is just praise and worship and not, not, not being going out on an evangelical mission from God, because it, because those of us who don't want to do praise and, and worship, it frees us up to just be who we are, just do what we do. Yeah. And, and I think that it, Honestly, I, I feel like, you know, what getting because I, I, I was had the seat to watch the evolution going on after, you know, like the 90s and the 2000s. And I can see directly where I start to trail off because I'm like, there's just nobody new coming along that, you know, this is I, I just because to a certain extent like i can when i listen to the more heavily uh some of the you know like the song human sound is a song where i love that song and it is a song that is entirely relevant to me now you know with my there's nothing in it where i'm like well if i was a christian this would really make sense no i don't have yeah. any, human sound is is a is about being human and it's a very and, and and it's my favorite song off that album. Uh, yeah. off, off Thank you. And yeah, I I just it it, it makes. Thank me, God, that's your favorite song, and not the other song that I yes, wrote. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where's the? <laughs> I just don't. It, it really is. I mean, in retrospect, in retrospect, it really is strange that I wrote that that I wrote those two songs together. <laughs> when the second one is like really a, I mean. Boy, they could use that at GOP rallies. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, wow, what am I? What did I do? Well, I did it 25 years ago, and I thought I was doing the, a good thing. Yeah. Sad thing is, is I like the song. It's a really, really bitching song. If it, if, if it were a common practice to take your old songs and write new lyrics for them, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, it's you know, I because like I go, I'll go back to. I, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, gut level music's a lot of fun, you know, and, but still, I think for me, ultimately, when it came down to it, the, the most defining full album for me is Forever Mercy, because it, it kind of seemed to really, even, even like world burning feels like, it doesn't feel like an alarmist song in the sense of like a GOP alarmist song. It just right. feels like a, People, there, there's so much suffering in this world, and 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 something needs to be done, you know. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming from a per, a person. Just just talking about what it's like as a person to observe the things that you're observing. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's not. Oh God, we gotta, you know, we gotta try and steer kids in the right direction, and we gotta get you know, that kind of back thing. in school. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 right. It's uh, <laughs> the yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Come to think of it, that yeah, that album is is pretty much like that. We have we were pretty much by then done with the sloganeering and the um, you know that's that that's why it's like I would have uh, in retrospect had I not had to leave the Altar Boys for the reasons that I had to leave that band. It would be nice to, to to see how where where we would have gone in the direction after that. Yeah. I will say this: there was at the time pressure from the top 
uh, in the industry uh, from um, maybe not so much around the, 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 the labels uh, and such, but maybe the churches um, to, uh, to return to a more uh, starkly evangelical tone. There was, there was pressure for, um, there was a talk of in, in, uh, maybe in the Christian press, some of the, maybe some of the, some of the meetings that I attended and, uh, symposiums that were being given that kind of thing that, uh, Christian bands are moving away from Jesus and, and talking more about emotional lives, you know, their emotional lives. And we need to get back down to the, to the milk of the word and get back on message. And, uh, and as that talk was coming down from the top, I was looking, I was looking at leaving. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. I'm like, God, I'm not, I'm not signing up for that. We just put out this out al- this highly emotional, emotional album. That's just about people and just about life, you know, being a person in, you know, on earth. And, uh, and, um, you know, I really believe in, in where we were going. And now they're telling me they want, they're telling us they want us to go back to, you know, get right or get left. Yeah, you know? take, take a few yeah. steps back from it. Right. Honestly, one of the things that I loved about the 90s is with Christian music was it really did, it, 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 it took a lot of the stuff that we saw beginning with, you know, like Undercover and Branded and with Forever Mercy, and uh, you know, and bands Gene Eugene with Adam again, uh-huh. and it let bands it it really bands got to be what they wanted to be a lot more in the nineties. Yeah, and there was. I was, a, I was hoping so. Yeah, it it, it was like okay, uh, MXPX can write the songs they want to write about being teenagers. Okay, mm-hmm. they don't have to, you know. And so you would see that you you watch that progress happen. And you saw that bands weren't being forced into that evangelical mold as much in the '90s, which was really nice. Right. right. It, it didn't save the industry, but it sure made it a lot more fun to be. It it, it kept my it kept my uh, faith alive for a good 10, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah, I. That's why I'm excited about. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you know, th- until I hit that point of. Mm-hmm. You know, in real life, and I, I don't know, maybe if there'd been, but I, I haven't given up. I, I, I've been doing any Kickstarters and anyone that I've been following that's been put out, that's put out music. I'm still following a lot of you guys, but. Well, because, because that, I know that I am and, and all the people in my circle are, um, I, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, now that musicians who played together in the 80s are playing together again uh, I, I'm excited when I see that they're putting out new things with being who they are now and that it's not let's drag out you know uh, you know let's drag out our old uh, you know carcasses and uh, relive the old days when we uh-huh. when the old rah rah you know bring back the rah rah god god stuff you know that's 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 why i'm sketchy you know i i i i want to see i i want to see uh progress 
yeah. and not uh, not take a step back. I don't I, I don't want to be a museum piece for one thing. Um, you know, um, I I want to uh, I want to be relevant for today and not just um, you know come and see us and you know we, we all look older now but we're all but we're gonna play our old stuff that you used to really, that you always really really liked is like. Well, you know, maybe you really, really liked it when you were 22, but what songs do you like now? Uh, let's write the, let's write those, you One know? One of the things I've liked that the choir has done is Steve and Derry have continued to make new music. Yes. On a regular basis. And they certainly have done some of the, like they've done tours where they've played through complete, you know, of their, of their classics, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, and it was neat to see them do Wide-Eyed Wonder live because they played some songs that had never been played live before. So they had to figure out how to make them work live. And so that was exciting, you know, uh, my, my friend Rob and I have been to a couple of those shows when they've come through and we left the Wide-Eyed Wonder one going, I want recordings <laughs> of that energy. I want I want some recordings of these songs that have that energy that we didn't that that you know because you never got to see it live before. And it, but it was neat right. to be part of it. But at the same time, I feel like it, it, it's even like you say, going back to the greatest hits with the Altar Boys. I feel like if you were having to go back to the greatest hits, some of those songs don't hit me the same as they used to. I question it. Right, yeah, and, and, and of course, why should they? I really know that I want to see performed live. And, yeah. you know, cover has, uh, you know, from branded on, they could still do a, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna play a bunch of our hits along with some newer stuff. They could do that because they have songs that just were very central, you know, mm -hmm. in their later years that were more kind of like, you know, anti-war and stuff like that, where you could revisit some of that stuff. But I feel like the Alter Boys, some of the biggest Alter Boys hits are very much, you know, like you say, they're the rah-rah type. Well, yeah, we'll just, yeah. And, it, and, and it's not, when I say rah-rah, you know, rah-rah God, it, I don't mean really mean to demean that because no rah rah this and that was kind of the style we got the beat we got the beat you know that kind of thing you know um uh uh the uh, new wave was kind of rah rah something and since we were christians we were doing rah rah god uh but uh as we got older we wanted to go deeper you, that, yeah. that's really all there is to that uh, well, so, uh, uh, so one of the difficulties I might have playing uh, songs like "Where the Where's the New World Now" is because that 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 lyrical tone, that 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 message tone, where back then we were just kind of responding to to to, to current events a little bit, um, um, you know, uh, doing plays on words that that had kind of a. So that not kind of like a sociological overtones, you know, um, you know, looking at society a certain way. That's what that that's what we were doing today. Those things would just happen to almost coincidentally happen to be like the perfect 
would they would get hijacked if if if, if I were to go today and play. Uh, where's the new world and whatever, and make a make a big video of the crowd. It would get hijacked and used for you know by political parties for political purposes, uh, nefarious political purposes. Yes. You know <laughs> that would do that would do harm to people. So uh, so yeah so 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 that so that's a that's kind of a thing you know that's that's kind of a thing with me. I I. I you know, I, I I won't do it. I I, get, I I'm really excited that the Alter Boys last year put out a a, a new album. Yeah. I'd love for them to keep writing. Uh, finally, there's an Alter Boys album uh, with the new bass players. So, so, so it's like, you know, you know, the let, let the Alter Boys be who the Alter Boys are, rather than a band from the '80s that I was in. Yeah, you, you know, it's like you know, you know, it's like let let the altar boys be who they are rather than be who they were, and and I, you know, and except that there's this bass player who quit, and now he could never, you know, play the songs again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. you know, and the funny thing is, is like with because I I found it found it interesting to see how when. Because basically, as I if I understand things correctly, the 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 album that they released last year was in part an abandoned album from '92 that had some stuff recorded. But basically, they went they they went redid a bunch of stuff. Ah, uh, but okay, well, good for them. Yeah, you know, and but the I, I for I remember because Mike went on and started Clash of Symbols instead of mm -hmm. you know continued which i was like well that's that works good and clash of symbols i felt like was a very different band from the altar boys sonically and even to an extent lyrically because it felt more um, like definitely more grown up mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and so it it was one of those things where yeah it's like i look at i look at what the altar boys are and there's a the nostalgic part of me that appreciates in general the band but there are still songs that I love. Like I said, a human sound is, you know, and, and I still can go back to, to pretty much, I can just sit and listen to Forever Mercy because Forever Mercy just feels like this massively empathetic album, you know, as far as what it, 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 you know, overall, like, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it was, it, it comes together the best for me. Although the other, good. you know, gut level music, gut level music comes together really well because of it, it has kind of it's it's that fine line. A lot of it of the uh, of the, you know, God is the music on gut level. The music on GLM is is, is, yeah. is just so superior. The performances, um, you know, we uh, it. Um, the, the the songs on that album and the songs on uh, Against the Grain, I think those are our two best albums because I think the material cooked the longest. Uh, it, they, they were songs that we had that we had before they were recorded. Most mostly before they were recorded, they were kind of road tested and uh, and refined. Uh, Forever Mercy, the songs on Forever Mercy are the most grown up and came from the deepest parts of ourselves, I think, lyrically. 
but uh, they, uh, uh, they not a not a note of them had been played before uh, in front of an audience before we we okay. recorded them. Yeah, we, we wrote we we kind of wrote those as we were recording them. And, and that is definitely like, especially I think uh, musically GLM is a very, you know, it's just, it's a ride of an album. And there are some great songs on it. I, I, I still think the uh, Unconditional Love is a great cover, you know? Uh -huh. And, you know, You Found Me is, a, is really yeah. good. And uh, all, the, all these songs as you go through that, the music, like you say, it, I would say it almost has kind of a live work, live recorded feel uh, without, you know, I, I know it was in a studio, but it still has that energy. That, yeah, because we, cause, yeah, because it's hard to achieve in the studio. Exactly. We had, we brought into the studio the same energy that we had sort of picked up from the audiences that we had been playing those songs for. We didn't have that on Forever Mercy, uh, you know, because we just, you know, we, when you play songs in front of a crowd, you develop a, a certain way of playing based on the feel of the room, you know, and uh, on Forever Mercy, uh, that 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 just wasn't uh, that just wasn't there. What Forever Mercy had going for it was uh, was that the uh, the arrangements and, and the tone was was very grown up, and uh, you know uh, our fan base um, was growing up as well. So I think that I think that the that the people who were waiting for that album that came out got the album that they wanted, got the album that they were hoping for. I hope um, the uh, it was tricky uh, playing. I, I I did one tour uh, uh, after that album came out, and it was very very tricky. It was kind of scary because we hadn't uh, we hadn't developed yet a way of playing those uh, for a room. Um, um, you, you know, yeah, we, we, we went in, went in playing them the way they, the way they were on the record, but, uh, new, by the end of the tour, new ways to sort of new, new kinds of energy were starting to pour into that, pour into the songs. And, um, and, uh, that it was at that time that I realized, well, that was, that's the difference between this and our previous albums. We, yeah. we, uh, we had a chance to sort of cook the songs in front of an audience a little bit, you know, a lot more than, uh, than on forever, than on forever mercy. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, well, I, it was really fun to, to talk with you and kind of go back through those years. Yeah, because yeah, it's it, it's th it's things I hadn't even thought I hadn't thought about. You know, I went two decades not not thinking about or remembering anything about my about my twenties whatsoever. So it's so you know I'm coming into this like it's all new things to talk talk about because there are things that I haven't talked about. You know, I've talked about with you to, to you with things that I've hardly talked about for decades and decades. Oh wow! I, I appreciate your openness and uh, and it was really thank you for being a part of the uh, part of the show here this week. And uh, I will I, I I will say thank you again and uh, have a great uh, great evening and 
Uh, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. It was wonderful. We have so many lessons to keep learning in our lives. So we'll yeah. do this maybe in another 20 years and talk about yeah. how <laughs> silly we were back in 2021. <laughs> and now everything's different and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Again, a real big thank you to Rick for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, it was a real pleasure to have that opportunity to just spend a couple of hours chatting. Um, and if you... And as a reminder, uh, you can find Rick's recent solo album, uh, Butterflies and Caterpillar Drag, on Bandcamp. Uh, if you just do a search for Rick Alba, reminder, it's R-I-C uh, for the first name. And Alba is A-L-B-A. And you can also find Moral DK's album, uh, and I believe they have a new single, uh, and are working on a new upcoming album. Uh, on the Apple Music Store under Moral DK, and that's Moral, and then the letter D and the letter K. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast with no name. If you want to find me elsewhere, I can be found on Instagram under both at Tom Wade and at Tom Wade Art. At Tom Wade is at T-H-O-M-W-A-D-E and at Tom Wade Art is at T-H-O-M-W-A-D-E-A-R-T and that's a page specifically devoted to my artwork, my digital artwork, my uh, natural media artwork, um, that's where you'll find that. The main Tom Wade one is more for just me having fun. And you can also find me on Twitter under at Tom Wade. Again, it's at T-H-O-M-W-A-D-E. Then, in addition, if you would like to support the podcast, I would love and appreciate that. Uh, I definitely would like to build this podcast into something that can maybe even just, you know, bring in some additional income, but more so to bring in money that could be applied to the podcast. Uh, whether it be to get, I don't know, products, uh, you know, like uh, uh, specific books uh, that I might want to look into, uh, movies um, and and comics. They're maybe, uh, hoping to delve some more into some more comics this season. I, I would love and appreciate your support. Uh, and to that end, I have a Patreon. Uh, the Patreon has two tiers. One is a $2 a month tier, uh, which gets you updates, behind the scenes information, uh, pics of my cats, because I have really cute cats. Then for $5 a month, you get all of that. Plus, uh, 45 times a year, I'm going to send you actual artwork that's made by me. It'll be both, uh, there might be some printed out digital artwork, but there will also be a lot of, it will be, uh, will be natural media, uh, pen and ink, watercolor, that type of thing. So on Patreon, you can locate me under Tom Wade, and that is T-H-O-M space, W-A-D-E. 
So Tom space Wade. Uh, thank you again for listening and I will see you next episode.